You are live with Get Connected, Canada's number one tech radio program. I'm Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler today, and we got an awesome program. We are going to continue some of our coverage from uh, the Amazon conference we were at last uh, week, John. It was really an amazing conference. And I'm not just saying that because we got to go to it. It was legitimately nerd heaven. So uh, the Amazon Remars conference, uh, Mars standing for machine learning, automation, robots, and space. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still blown away. We're going to be talking about uh, Amazon Astro, which is their new home robot uh, available down in the U.S. Uh, right now. This little guy follows you around and uh, also looks after your home while you're away. Uh, big anniversary, anniversary, John, the 15th anniversary of the iPhone. So we're going to talk about that, what that means, uh, some of our experiences when uh, it first came out, uh, and what kind of impact it's really made uh, on the world uh, today. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, be chatting a little bit about the Rogers-Shaw merger still. Uh, Rogers uh, basically has made an agreement with Quebec Corps to sell off Freedom Mobile. But there's a catch. Uh, part of the wireless business Rogers is keeping, the Shaw Mobile subscribers. So not everyone knows that. But uh, that's almost half a million subscribers. Not everyone's happy about that either. No, uh, we'll uh, give our thoughts on it uh, as well. Let's look at some of the tech news, uh, John. Uh, one of the interesting things uh, that uh, Amazon did show off uh, last week at this uh, tech conference was Alexa and some of the things that they're trying to do with it. And you've probably seen some of the news already. Uh, they're trying to build, I guess, empathy into that whole area. Uh, of uh, voice and they've been experimenting with being able to take clips or bites of people's uh, voices and then using that as the Alexa voice. So one example showing, um, you know, a a deceased grandmother, uh, her voice being used to read a a book to a child. The thing about this is that it's a really interesting concept when you think about it being able to recreate a voice that's also called an audio deep fake um it can be used for good and for evil yeah and it's you know some people might find it really creepy other people might find it wonderful especially because like in the case of the boy having his deceased grandmother read the story he might not have ever met that grandmother so it's a connection that he can have with that person um but some people definitely would get creeped out by that hearing that voice yeah um and and apparently you only have to feed it about a minute's worth of audio for this to be trained to mimic that they're not going to get all the little things they're not going to get all the little uh subtleties and nuances yet with just a minute of of audio but so the more information you can feed it the better it'll sound um but it's a really interesting um sort of development in the evolution of a smart assistant i think well, I'm just amazed at how far they've come so quickly, John. You know, back a few months ago, there was that big news story about uh, the Anthony Bourdain documentary, Roadrunner. Yeah. And this was about uh, his life. Uh, you know, the famous chef, you probably saw him on CNN. He had that whole series. It was amazing. Parts Unknown. Yeah, loved it. Uh, but in making the documentary, the filmmaker wanted a few extra sound bites that he didn't have. And so what he did is he he faked Anthony Bourdain's voice. He took clips of his voice and worked with a, uh, uh, I guess, a, a company in the U.S. that was able to recreate his voice for those two clips. 
Yeah, he had defeated a lot of information. Well, that's the thing, right? It wasn't yeah. just like a minute's worth of audio. No. No, and that's why I'm kind of curious about where Amazon is with this compared to like the, the Bourdain example and how good is this model actually going to be or is it going to be good enough for the average person? Yeah. It's like, oh, that sounds like grandma um, or sounds kind of like grandma, but maybe not exactly. I'm just worried about the... I mean, there's so many, many implications. I know Microsoft, uh, they're kind of limiting access to that type of technology uh, or, you know, the accessibility of it. Uh, but, you know, imagine your kid getting a hold of your voice and, <laughs> you know, phoning the bank, transfer $1,000 into uh, Joey's Minecraft account. <laughs> I, I know it's not that easy, right? But um, Give it, John I'm, a raise. Give John a raise. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm excited about it, but I just don't know... Should I be worried about it? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things that I could see very easily can come under regulation as well. Yeah. But I also kind of wonder if the cat's out of the bag with some of this technology. Well, yeah. Okay. So Amazon's developing it. You got to know, like, there's like millions of programmers out there too that are, are working on this as well. So it's not like, like you said, the cat is out of the bag. Well, how do you know that this radio program is not machine learning, just learning how to talk like us? Well, then we're out of jobs, John. That's right. Yes. Uh, what else have we got in the news there, uh, John? Uh, we also have smart jacuzzis being hacked. We've talked about this. Hackers don't always go for the easy, or like the, the typical, oh, I'm going to break through the, you know, the computer or the, the router. Uh, they'll go into like HVAC systems or printers, in this case, a smart jacuzzi. Right. And we, t- we, we talked before about uh, a casino that was hacked because they had a, an aquarium and they had a, a smart... Uh, sensor to monitor the temperature of that aquarium and that was able hackers were able to get into their network and hack the casino so this is kind of like that's the bad oceans 15 script (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah they you know anything that's smart that's connected to your network has the potential to be hacked yeah and this is just another example where this um uh, jacuzzi brand smart tub um, basically had an internet of things sort of built into it so you could basically be your home hub while you're in the hot tub yeah right but because it's on the network it could be hacked and it was easily hacked easily hacked and you know because it's on your home network then your home is essentially hacked yeah because it's like someone's in your house with a, a device connecting to the internet access to all of your stuff well a lot of people have network attached storage uh, on their homes now like little hard drives uh, where they keep a lot of personal information. So like once you're onto the network and have access to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times, you know, uh, banks and other um, businesses will trust your home network because you're, you're in that network. Yeah. I can get onto, you know, you can get onto like say the kids iMac or something like that. You're already logged in to all your banking and stuff like that. Yep. I don't have any resistance at all to go and do whatever I want to do with that network access. That's why two-factor authentication is a must-have. Yes. Uh, for websites, for example, like my banking website, um, for me to log in, I got to log in with my password. And like you said, um, my web browser already knows my password, so it just automatically logs me in. However, uh, I do need to follow that up with a code that it sends to my phone. Yeah. And this, I mean, it's really annoying every time you want to do something. But it'll save you. Yeah. No question. Okay, John, I want to take a break because, I mean, we've got an action-packed show. We're going to be talking about home robots. We're going to be talking about uh, Rogers keeping Shaw Mobile, what that means, and the 15th anniversary of the iPhone. 
Where were you when you got your first iPhone? You're listening to Get Connected. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike and John here. June 29th, 2007. That's the day the iPhone was launched. 15 years ago. Can you believe it's 15 years? No, I cannot. It's really an amazing piece of technology that I, I think fundamentally changed many aspects of um, computing, cell phones, uh, and, and even just software in general. Um, you look at now, the world is apps. Back then, John, I mean, software is a big business, but so much of it was pirated. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Well, and, and not so much on your phone either. No. Your phone was, whatever apps were available to you on your phone were, were um, dictated by your carrier. Exactly. So depending on which carrier got, that limited which apps you would actually get. Yeah. I, I feel, John, uh, with Apple releasing the iPhone and eventually opening up the App Store, um, that just made a, a bonanza for developers. They could easily create these small apps and programs and actually make a, a living out of it yeah, without having to make like a $400 piece of software. Well, yeah, back then they would have to go through such a rigorous system to get an app through the carriers yes. onto these phones. Yeah. And even then it's only as good as that phone device is relevant. So you don't have this notion of firmware updates and those types of things. It was more of a case of like, once it's on the phone, it's on there forever. So we kind of had smartphones, John, but typically they're, Half screen, half keyboard. Blackberries, uh, the Motorola Q was yep. another one. Yep. I mean, now we'd call them feature phones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when it came out, it was interesting. You know, it was like the first all touchscreen smartphone. No keyboard, no. Yeah. And so at first I thought, oh, this is dumb. You know, I, you know, I, I tried it and a friend's and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can get used to typing like on a, you know, my thumbs on a screen. Right. And now... I couldn't go back to those tiny little keyboards like on the BlackBerry. What, when was your first one, your first iPhone? Was it the first gen or did you wait until it was available? In no, Canada? it was the first gen. Yeah. Um, I actually got it for my wife. I don't know why I didn't get it for myself. Uh, I, a friend of mine was down in San Francisco because they weren't available in Canada Yeah. and bought one for me. And they didn't even work in Canada. No, no. It, you had to have it unlocked. And that was a precarious thing to do because you had to open it up. Well, I, I went to Bellingham and bought one. Yeah. Paid for it outright. I think I paid $700 for it. Yeah. 700 US. Yeah. And I took it home and I just had a really nice iPod touch. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. But then someone figured out how to unlock it so you could actually use it with any carrier. Yeah. So I had to, I had to get someone to actually take it apart and solder stuff. I was one of the first people, as far as I can tell, based on my internet Recollection, recollections to actually use the software only version yeah, and unlock my phone and was able to put it on Roger's network um, back, I think it was about two months after it came out, yeah. around September or so is when I was able to get it and actually use it as a phone. But it was amazing though, right? It was. It, yeah. was, it was, there was nothing else like it at the time. Like you said, there was Blackberries, you know, very iconic shape and, yeah. and form factor, but everybody else had what we called a candy bar phone at the time. Yeah. Right. Sometimes they would fold. Sometimes they would just be like, like literally look like an O Henry bar. <laughs> Some had snake on them. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and you know, remember Palm uh, came out with the Palm Trio. Yep. 
Yeah, the the Palm Trio was, I think, the phone I had just before the iPhone. Oh, it was, eh? Yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that was touchscreen. Yeah. Yeah, I take that yep. back. With a little Palm- keyboard and, yeah. a, and a, even a stylus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, my, my fun memory from that time was I had a friend that worked at Apple in Cupertino. And when they announced the iPhone, they also announced that all of their staff would get one free. Oh, to help promote it. Yeah. And because back then it was only available for very certain carriers as well, even in the U S yeah. Wasn't it just AT&T? Yeah. 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 So, um, but everyone that wanted one, they could get it, uh, if they were an Apple employee and I went down to visit my friend. And one of the things I really loved about going to visit my friend was that I would get to go on campus with him at Apple headquarters and for complete coincidence and serendipitous nature, I got invited to go to their company barbecue Oh, for uh, his team and a whole bunch of other people. There's about 200 people. We all went to this park and they had a catered barbecue lunch and everything was wonderful and there's volleyball and all that good stuff but i was the only one there with an iphone <laughs> and so literally and so you're in a, in a party with all apple employees right yeah and some of them had never even seen it in person really and i was like doing show and tell yeah around the barbecue that is hilarious <laughs> it was super fun because i mean so you had a crowd of apple people yeah i mean around. they were gonna get one in a week or two yeah but they didn't have it yet and i had just gotten mine literally from uh, from the AT&T store. So there wasn't really an app store on it right away? No, no. no. Steve Jobs didn't even really want to do apps at, at the beginning. No. Because he wanted to control that aspect of things. Yes. But it was very different than the, the carrier model like we t- discussed earlier, right? So I don't think the carriers loved the iPhone when it first came out because they could see it as a path to losing control. Yeah. Because you're right, John, before that, any feature phone basically is locked to the carrier and any new software updates locked to that carrier, whereas the iPhone changed all of that. Yeah, it, it democratized all of those things. Yes. It made everything more standard. And, and then, you know, we saw the birth of things like Android not long afterwards. Yeah. That was, you know, the competition for that. Basically copying. Inspired by. Inspi- <laughs> they kind of look identical, don't they, John? Well, yeah. But it's funny, I remember when Android came out way back, um, and it just wasn't big yet. And I remember saying to everyone, Android is going to be bigger than Apple iOS operating system one day. And they're like, no, no, there's no way. Why did you think that? Uh, because every other phone company or, you know, Samsung and Nokia, uh, well, not Nokia, but LG and HTC, because uh, they were jumping on board with it. And they had much larger penetration of smartphone sales. Well, because that was the interesting thing too, is Apple, this was their first phone. Yeah. They had no experience. Everyone's like, oh, well, it'll just flop. Yeah. Because you can't just make a phone. So they came out with the App Store for it uh, eventually, and that that just blew up in a big way. And that's what I'm saying. They they really changed software development because of that, I feel. I, I think so too. Yeah, because yeah. suddenly you've got a computer in the hands of everyone, right? Well, the other thing too with the software side of things is they were one of the first companies to give away all the development software. Yes. So it was very accessible to anybody that wanted to get into that space. Uh, It was much easier to develop for if you were already used to developing sort of Mac apps and those types of things. And I say relatively with air quotes because it was still difficult at the time. Yeah. It's gotten much better over the years, but it was just a, a really interesting and exciting time to be an app developer. Remember, Remember when fart apps were a thing? Oh my God, yeah. Or the beer app. 
the you way, could tilt tilt the phone and the the, the beer, beer uh, in the glass on your screen. That would guy was tilt. making like a million dollars a month. I know. It was crazy. I, it was stupid. Like the, yeah. I call it the gold rush of the app days there. Yeah. You could come out with any app. I mean, the fart apps were huge. Yeah. Um, and flashlight apps because there was no <laughs> flashlight option on there. No. Uh, but who, who knew? Like your phone would be your flashlight. And I, I use that all the time now. I mean, the phone's just not a phone. It's a computer. It's navigation. It's a flashlight. It's a, I mean, I think the iPhone and cell phones in general kind of killed the watch industry as well. The watch industry, yeah. the flashlight industry. Everything, right? Yeah. Okay, we are going to have to take a break now. We are going to be chatting about home robots. Amazon has got their little Astro. Would you want a little robot following you around the house? Well, we'll tell you all about it. And we're going to be talking about uh, Rogers and the sale of Freedom Mobile. But there's a catch. They're keeping Shaw Mobile. We'll tell you all about it back after this. You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're Canada's number one tech radio show. Uh, today, we're going to talk robots, John. One of my favorite topics. Yes. Uh, Amazon, uh, probably know them from Amazon Prime Video and, of course, Amazon Prime getting all our packages the same day or next day. But uh, their Amazon Web Services is into so much more. One big part of that would be robotics. We've got a great guest with us today. His name is Ken Washington. He is the VP Software Engineering and Product Management Consumer Robotics at Amazon. Thanks for joining us, Ken. It's my pleasure to be here. You're the robot man. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take that. How, okay, before we get into the, the robot, uh, and your robot's called Astro, which is yes. a, a new home robot, uh, mm-hmm. how did you get into making robots? Like, oh. how, how does one get that job? <laughs> it started many years ago. I've been in software and engineering, you know, basically my whole life, and I started with automation and autonomy and robots back in the days when I was working at Lockheed Martin, and we were building robots for space and simulating robots in, in a lab. And then I went to Ford Motor Company and did basically a robot on wheels, which are autonomous cars. And then I came to Amazon into, you know, the devices and services group where we're building Astro. And it looked to me like it'd be a ton of fun. And I was right. It is a lot of fun. And we're making really cool things. And we're going to make a difference. I like how he just throws out, I I made robots for space. (laughs) I feel so insignificant now. Uh, Okay, let's talk about Astro, though. Uh, this was announced uh, a little while back, and I think it's just starting to become available now. Is that right? Oh, it was first available back in November of last year. Okay, okay. So we yeah. launched late last year, and um, we are already receiving feedback and insight from customers, which is why we launched it. And um, so far, the, the, the response has been quite good, and we're, we're really happy. Uh, describe for the listeners what this, uh, this little guy looks like. Okay, so uh, Astro is uh, it's a 20-pound robot with a 10-inch screen that, that pans and sw- it swivels and it tilts. And it also has a periscope that will go up to 42 inches so it can see things on counters and, and look around your room. Uh, it's uh, a little bigger than a shoebox. And um, the whole idea of Astro is to invite it into your home. So we've designed it to be a home robot, which is really different than a robot for fulfillment centers. I mean, Amazon has been doing robots for for over a decade in our fulfillment centers. But we went about developing a robot that people would want to bring into their homes. That's why we intentionally made it relatively small. And it's designed to autonomously and intelligently navigate in your home. If you think about that, just think about your own home and the homes that you visit. 
homes can be any shape, size. They can have rooms with different kinds of furniture, different windows, all kinds of lighting conditions. We have to solve all kinds of technical challenges to allow Astro to intelligently and smartly and safely move about your home. So it's intended to coexist with humans, kids, pets, and help you monitor your home when you're not there, enjoy Astro hanging around when you are there, and also just uh, use it as a productivity device because it has all the functionality of Alexa as well, but Alexa with mobility added. It's like a moving Alexa. That's one of its features. Yes. Um, but it's interesting you said, like, this isn't just something you guys just came up with on a whim. You guys have been into robotics for a long time. We, we have. And, and we, you know, over, you know, several years ago, we sat in a room and we were, you know, the group, the group was asking the, the question, uh, what do we think, the, you know, people are going to have in their homes in five to ten years? Do we think there's going to be a, a robot and at least, you know, one robot in every home? And we all kind of said, yeah, we, we think so. And because of that, we thought, well, let's get, let's get busy building that robot because the way we work at Amazon is working backwards from the customer. And we envision that customers would want to have a smart robot in their home. And working backwards from that idea led us to the concept of Astro, a smart, intelligent robot that people can interact with, have fun with, but also gives you productivity and helps you with, you know, with watching after your home when you're not there. We've also heard from people that they, they use it to uh, care after loved ones. Uh, we heard this just so, story that tugs at your heartstrings that uh, one of our customers has a, had a, fa- has a father who's in a wheelchair, and, and nor- their normal daily routine was their father would interact with Astro in the morning, and they had it configured so that Astro would send them a notice notification. This is a feature that we've been providing on Alexa for, for some time called Alexa Together. And Astro supports that feature. One day they didn't get this notification. So they thought, well, what's going on with Dad? So because they had Astro, they pulled out the Astro app and they can drop in on the Astro app uh, and navigate around the house remotely to look for Dad. And they did that and they found Dad and he had fallen out of his wheelchair. Oh, no. So they called 911, dispatched the paramedics, and that's okay now. So you hear stories like that and you realize that Astro can not only be fun and engaging and entertaining, but also can be very, very useful. How much do these little robots cost? So we've introduced Astro as a day one edition product and the introductory price is $9.99 with a Ring Protect Pro subscription, which is really cool because this um, patrolling that Astro does in your home remotely will take videos and send those videos to the Ring Cloud if you have a Ring Protect Pro prescription, subscription. So you can see the videos remotely at any time. And, and, and it's a really useful feature. I use that all the time. I'm, last night I was checking on my home you know, with my Astro and my <laughs> Ring Protect Pro subscri- subscription. Make sure your pets aren't causing uh, Make chaos. sure my cat wasn't like acting up in, in the you, house. You need that. I do. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. got a, He's got a camera on his cat. He doesn't seem to move around a lot. Well, you know, that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, a lot of folks will ask us, well, why do I need Astro? I have a couple cameras. Well, okay, we have a couple cameras in these two spots. What about all the other spots in your home, right? Well, and, and that's the big thing is like – you don't want to put a camera in every room exactly, just because you're living in those rooms. Um, so having a robot that can move around that you're in control of. That's exactly right. We hear that from customers all the time. They don't want a camera in their bedroom. Certainly don't want one in their bathroom. But wouldn't it be nifty to check out the bedroom and the bathroom when you're not home and you want to make sure everything's okay there? Um, that's exactly what Astro can do for you. So it sounds like this is uh, kind of a great uh, tool for security 
peace of mind. Yes. Uh, what about privacy? There's some people that'd be concerned that there's this robot <laughs> yeah, cruising no, around the house with a camera. We totally get that, and which is why we designed Astro from the beginning with privacy in mind. We built multiple layers of privacy into Astro. Uh, first and foremost, Astro was designed so that all processing of mobility and visual recognition is done on device. So that was a hard thing to, to, to tackle, but it was important to do. And so we do all of that processing locally. That, that information does not get sent to the cloud. Secondly, any information that does get sent to the cloud, like your utterances that need to be processed for Alexa commands, those are all done encrypted. And then when you control Astro with your mobile app, you have to beforehand it, physically be in the proximity of Astro with your mobile phone and pair your phone with Astro. So that gives you the confidence that anyone who's dropping into Astro with their phone you know, has the right to do so because they were physically in your home and they paired their phone with Astro. And then lastly, you know, anytime drop-in does happen on Astro, it tells you, it gives you know, a loud notice and then it blurs the screen and it says someone's dropping in and it gives you the option of just hitting a button and say, no, no, don't do that. Um, and then you can also define out of bound zones. So if you don't want Astro to go into this particular room, you can just define a zone to say, don't go in there or don't go in this area. Don't look in this, this direction. So does Astro just sort of patrol your home or do you decide what sort of path it would take on a daily basis? So an, under normal conditions, when you're home with Astro, it will, it will decide where to hang out occasionally and they'll just come and hang out it does this decision based on patterns of prior uh, uh, proximity and use and so it'll try to hang out nearby where people are kind of like my cat always has to be in the same room as me well well, today yeah it's kind of like that right yeah it's just like your pet wants to hang out around you astro kind of does the same thing and if you don't want to be there you can send it to another room or send it back to its charger um when you're not home and you want it to patrol your home, you can configure Astro to patrol your home on a regular cadence. I have mine set up to once an hour. You can do once every two hours or once every four hours, whatever you want. And um, and when it does the patrolling, it takes video of every room that it patrols and, again, sends it to the ring uh, cloud for you to view the videos later. So um, it's quite flexible. You can configure it however you kind of want it to. You can also set up places where you want to send Astro. You can set... Um, waypoints and um and then on your decision you can either with the app or with a verbal utterance tell astro to go to those waypoints i've set a waypoint up to my stove with astro looking at the burners so um when i'm downstairs watching tv after i've cooked a meal uh, i'm sometimes a little absent-minded i multitask and i've been known to leave the oven on and so i Send Astro to the stove with my you know, waypoint command and take a look and pull up my app and go, yep, saves me two flights of stairs. <laughs> you said something interesting there because Mike and I have this challenge in our homes as well. Is I imagine you probably have to have an Astro on each floor for it to be truly effective. You would. If you have a multi-floor home, you would have to, to do that. Today, we don't have support for that, but we've already heard feedback from customers that that would be a desirable thing to add to our capability. So it's something that we're thinking about. Or, or teach them, teach Astro to climb, climb the stairs. That's on our on our thought list too. Yeah, that, it, it turns out that's a really hard problem. Yeah. Do at a consumer price point. You yeah, know, they are you know expensive. Well, Boston Dynamics have done it. 
Oh, but but their their robots are like a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know too many consumers that would that would shell out that kind of money for. I'm not allowed to bring in. that home. <laughs> <laughs> How long does the battery last, Ken? Uh, it'll last between three and four hours, depending okay. on usage, yeah. and it charges in like twenty minutes. Does it, does it have a speaker on it, and will it play music? It does. There, yeah. it actually sounds quite good. There are two two inch speakers on the front bottom, and it's got a bass reflection on the that gives it a really nice deep bass sound. So it sounds great. With, so your kids uh, could have a little dance music. parade through your house. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, my fiance dances with Astro all the time. Uh, we have a game on it that we call Dance Break, and Astro will ask you to dance, and it'll play music, and you can dance, and then he'll tell you to stop, the, and you're supposed to stop. The robot's making you dance. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah that's one of the things our dance, customers Dance, human, told dance. <laughs> they love to interact with Astro and have it be part of the family. So um, it's a great feature. So what's next on your robot roadmap? You, you've got this consumer robot now. It's yeah. kind of like a... The starter model, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's our first robot. It's not our last. Yeah. And as our first robot, we're very focused on gaining momentum with Astro, getting it to uh, really be uh, a success for uh, lots of people. And we're really excited about the early reception for Astro. And so we're just doubling down to ensure that we continue to respond to customer feedback. That's why we, that's why we uh, launched it as a day one edition product. Um, and we're hard at work on uh, all kinds of new ideas based on the feedback we're receiving, and we're looking forward to those new ideas coming to life over time. We've been uh, talking with Ken Washington. He's the robot man over at Amazon, uh, talking all about the the Astro. Where can people find out more info, Ken? Just go to Amazon.com and search for the Astro uh, Day One Edition uh, release. It's that easy. Thanks for joining us, Ken. Yeah, it's my pleasure. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Rogers selling off Freedom Mobile, which was part of the Rogers Shaw merger because Shaw owned Freedom Mobile, uh, to ally or, or lay some of the fears of uh, the Competition Bureau, which is still all against this. Uh, they're selling off Freedom Mobile. Uh, but what some people don't know is that they're keeping Shaw Mobile. So Freedom Mobile. I don't have the exact numbers, but it's over, I think, 2 million subscribers. But Shaw Mobile, John, has over 400,000 subscribers, and Rogers is holding on to it. Are they going to rebrand it, or is it going to be standalone? I, I don't know yet. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, it's in the scheme of Canadian telecom, it's chump change. Yeah. But it is still an interesting thing to play if you're forcing them to get rid of freedom. Why not Shaw as well? Yeah. I, I, to me, I thought they were bundled together. Do you well, know what I mean? They're essentially the same. Yes. Which is kind of strange. But I, I, would, I would guess that Shaw Mobile is probably not as profitable as Freedom Mobile because um, if you know anything about the Shaw Mobile plans, and these are just available out west, you know, BC and Alberta, I think typically, um, because Shaw Mobile was a big, you know, the cable TV guys out here, they would bundle... Um, mobile into that as well. And it was some killer deals. We we both switched. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I was paying 80 bucks a month on a Rogers plan and I switched over to like $45 a month for and they more had a, data. They had a really interesting model where you could actually get a $0 plan. Well, I signed my parents up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't use data. They just use voice and text. They don't even use text. Yeah. And so $0, how... Yeah, and it was like $10 for a gig of data if you yeah. had to add it on. Yeah, 
So every so often I'd throw a gig of data on for my dad. I don't even think he ever uses it. But the, the gig of data would last for three months for 10 bucks. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That was a kind of a unique thing too is that rollover data. Yeah. But how many of these $0 plans are out there? Like out of those 450,000 Shaw Mobile subscribers. I wonder if there's a lot. Yeah, because I have three of them. <laughs> okay. So I would, I would imagine, I mean, it's got to be tens of thousands of zero dollar. Yeah. So is it a as bad thing that Rogers is keeping Shaw Mobile? And what's going to happen to those zero dollar plans? Well, that's the big question, right? Because a lot of people are relying on that as a very cost effective way to still be in touch with their family. Yeah. Um, and like your example, your parents are on it and you don't pay anything for that. No. If your parents all of a sudden had to pay for that service, they might not even keep it. No. Well, because they, I think they're paying like, I, I forget what carrier it was. It was like chatter or something. It was like $20 a month. Right. So, you know, between the two of them with tax and everything, it was like 50 bucks a month. That's $600 a year. Yeah. Right. So now, and you know, and for a lot of lower income seniors and, and people like i mean that's just a great but but even not even taking the cost aside though like some people wouldn't have a phone if they had to pay for it yeah um whereas at least the family can at least have some peace of mind that as long as they've charged their phone they still have it for zero dollars yeah so no one's you know put off by it so yeah i'm kind of on the fence like one part of me says you know what it should have been bundled in with freedom mobile but well and it's the same network too how does that work I don't, I don't know. We'll like find out. Rogers and Quebec are going to be friends in that respect. Well, yeah. Friendlier than global live. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay. We're going to have to take a break when we come back. More tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with get connected. Don't forget about our sister show. It's pretty cool. It's called the app show. It's on every Sunday here on the chorus radio network. And if you're in Toronto, that would be a Saturday night uh, on tomorrow's show. We will uh, be talking about arrive can. The ArriveCan app, they're adding more to it. I thought they'd kill it off, John. I hope they would kill it I, off. I was hoping too, because I always forget to do it when I'm coming back across the border. Uh, but they're adding some more capabilities to it, which is indicating to me that they're not killing it off. Uh, we'll also talk about Deep Racer. This is a really cool RC car series that Amazon's come up with, where you can actually program the car using machine learning to kind of drive itself. It's great for students. It's completely free for you to sign up for. Yeah. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can actually get a physical remote control car yeah. and race in tournaments around the world. It's pretty amazing. These cars are pretty cool too. So we'll tell you all about that. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about our eSIM experiences, the money we saved and some of the challenges we had when we used it uh, across the border. want to thank everyone that helps put the show together. John, Robin, Nigel. We'll see you again next time.